Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Why don't you grab your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. Amen. Great to be in the house of the Lord with you. I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm going to give you what voice I have left today. I've been coughing and congested and dealing with probably the same thing 90% of us are dealing with. Amen. But I hope that you'll bear with me and allow the Lord to, to move through us anyway. Amen. I also want to thank Pastor for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you. John chapter 15, verse 18 through 21. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would, would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Amen. Why don't you set your Bibles down next to you for just a moment. One last time, why don't you just lift your hands, lift your voice with me. Let's just ask the Lord just to speak and move in this place. Amen. The spirit is so strong. I pray that you just open your hearts and your mind. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this room. Lord, we pray that you would have your way, God. No matter the outcome, Jesus, I pray that you would move freely, that you would edify us, God, that you would touch our hearts. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. For just the next few moments, I'd like to speak to you under the title, Long Live the King. Long Live the King. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As people living in a, what I would consider a classed society, we have an admiration for kingship. We look at those who have been kings. We look at those who are presidents and emperors, rulers, any leader of the kind, and we admire the power that they have. We admire the position that they hold because we recognize the power to make decisions that they carry. Even as kids, we we pretend to be kings. We pretend to be queens, princes, and princesses. How many of you have ever played King of the Hill? Oh, yes. It's a game of power, is it not? Quite literally. The strongest will get to the top of the hill. We've played that a time or two, haven't we? Why? Because if you get to the top of the hill, you know that you are the king and you have the power to now control the hill, yes? Until someone comes and knocks you off and takes the place instead. As a father, I'm guilty of calling my my daughter Blakely, princess. Any dad's been there before. I need to stop doing that. It's creating a bit of an issue, I think, but but we look at our, our children, and at times we treat them as if they're, they're royalty. We even go to the store, and we buy them cute little dresses that they put on over their clothes, and, you know, these little heels that look like a death trap for anyone, let alone a four-year-old, and we let them walk around in it, and we put a crown on their head, and we make them feel so special and so important as royals. 
Even at our house, I've seen some of the nieces and nephews and everybody running around. They'll say, I'll be the king, you can be the queen, and they can be our servants. Right? Because we admire kings and queens. We admire the power and the position that they hold. We look at the lifestyle they live, and it's one of favor. They have everything they want, everything they need. And so we look at it, and we, we go to extreme lengths to please a, a monarch or someone of that stature. They have cupbearers, someone who will literally take a drink for them and make sure they don't die first. Who signs up for that job? They have armor bearers. You know what? I know this is supposed to keep me safe, but I don't feel like wearing it right now. So you carry it all day, and when I'm about to die, I'll put it on, and you could take my place. Right? They have a master of wardrobe. I need one of those. I need someone that, instead of waking up at 6 in the morning to pick out clothes, it's already done for me. Like, I just, here you are, master. Put them on. Go to work. Have a good day. Right? Who wouldn't like that? My personal favorite, have you ever heard of a spicer? A spicer. Kings and queens have someone that their only job is to season their food. Is that not insane? I mean, you better be good, too, because if you get that too salty, you're going to have a lot of people mad at you, right? But they, they have all these, these different people around them. They have full teams of advisors and, and these different people that do everything they can to make the, the life of, of a, a royal better. And so everything is about serving this, this king or this queen, the, the leader. And so in the 1400s, the, the French, who, like many others, served a king, they coined the phrase, Long live the king, which was a wish or a hope of good fortune, luck, or a pleasant rule for a king who has just been put into power. So much like we have an inauguration day for our president, they would put a king into power, and then they would begin to chant, long live the king. And it was their way of offering what support they could to this person that is now in power. It was a pledge of allegiance, if you will a noble gesture. The problem with with this is that royalty is only cared about by the subjects or the servants that serve said king. Those who are enemies of the king could care less if he's a king or not. They fight. They go to war. They try to destroy what the other has built. The French and the English were, were famous empires for doing justice. They did everything they could to derail and hurt the other king. People served and respected their king, but didn't always respect their enemy's king. So as Christians, we say that our king, or our God is our king, and he is. Amen. We should serve him. But you need to understand that there is an enemy that is trying to destroy the kingdom of your king. From the beginning of humanity, the devil has always warred against God for the hearts of people. Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, which allowed sin into this world. And things evolve and and times change, but we face things like depression and adultery and war and and sickness and, and all of these things simply because the enemy of God has waged war on his servants. In our daily lives, there's a battle going on, and sometimes it feels as if the war is against us, and Satan and sin is trying to destroy us. Addiction doesn't seem like an attack on God. It seems like an attack on us. Depression doesn't seem like it would affect God. It affects us. Fear doesn't seem like an attack on our God, but in reality, it always seems to bother 
us as the servants of God. It feels like we are targeted daily by attacks that seem to be so personal, not to our king, but to us. It feels like there's a bullseye welcoming the enemy of God to just unload on us. Even in the Bible, those anointed by God were subjected to hatred and attacks from their enemies. Found in 1 Samuel, we see the story of David. 1 Samuel tells us that after Saul the king had made decisions, he, he shouldn't have made that God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse. There he was to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the king of Israel. And so Samuel goes, it says in chapter 16 that Samuel had to go in secret because he knew if Saul found out that another king was about to be anointed, he would have killed him. Why? Because it's about his kingdom and he doesn't care about the other, other kingdoms. He arrives and the Lord tells him to anoint David, a young shepherd boy that had to go get out of the field. And from then on, the spirit of the Lord was on David. God filled Saul with a tormenting spirit, the Bible says, that would make him stressed and fearful. And David was sent into his presence to play the harp. The Bible says in 1621 that Saul loved David very much, so much that Saul made him his armor bearer. And every time Saul felt tormented, they would bring David in and and he would play and the spirit would go away. Chapter 17, we pick up on the famous battle of David and Goliath where where Goliath, this giant, is defying uh, a god and, and Israel, and Saul and his army hide as this little shepherd boy answers the call to fight a giant. He goes into battle in the name of the Lord, the Bible says. In one of the most famous and lopsided battles in human history, David defeats Goliath, and everyone takes notice. Verse 18, David meets Jonathan, who the Bible says had a great love for David. He loved him enough from the time that they met that he took everything that he had with him and gave it to David. David became a successful, so successful in battle that uh, it's so well known that, that King Saul became jealous of, of David. 18.12 says it, that, that Saul saw that God was with David and became afraid, so much so that he tried to kill him. So here we have gone from shepherd boy minding his own business to anointed secretly to be the king, to the king's favorite, to famous giant killer, to a victorious in battle to publicly anointed to king's enemy number one. All in the life of a very, very young man. And so I think we can sympathize with David today, can we not? We go through the ebbs and flows in life, and we feel as if we're nobody, and then God does something, and it's just like, wow, God, you are so good. How did we get here? How did you bring me to this place? And then you're like, God, why did you bring me to this place? And we watch as life just seems to kind of toss us around. Then Saul tries to kill David in battle several times, and, and God's anointing prevails over everything in David's life. Chapter 19, Saul tells Jonathan and his close servants to kill David, but because of Jonathan's love for David, instead warns David of the plot to kill him. Later, Saul tried to kill him or capture him with the intent to kill three more times. As David flees, he bumps into Jonathan, and they put this plan together that offers David safety and a safe return. So sometimes we feel just like David, the king wants us dead. We feel persecuted. We feel like nothing, nowhere, no how is safe. We go home, and, and there is addiction, and there is strife. We isolate because of those problems. 
and now we feel depressed because we are all alone. We go to work, and there is temptation everywhere. We come to church, and maybe we feel as if we are inadequate or we are judged beyond a, a reasonable level that we can handle as humans. And so there's just no way for us to get away from the attacks of the, of the devil and evil in this world. And before we know it, we have a David complex where we feel as if we're running through life instead of walking, and we're dodging bullets everywhere we go. And we say to ourselves, Lord, I'm trying. I've been faithful here. I haven't retaliated against those who have come after me. I feel like I just need to go hide, Lord. Can you just hide me somewhere? I'm tired of running for my life here. You're the king. Would you do something? Would you offer something that will help me? But can I encourage you today and remind you of the text that we have read today? This world isn't against us. Not because it hates us do we feel the things we do. No, it's because the world hates our king. The world has a problem. The Bible says that it hated him first. And it hates you because you are mine. Amen. So I want to offer a little bit of encouragement to you today, even though it seems as if life is incredibly hard, and it is. That the, the hardships that you face are not because you are a bad person. It's not because God has just decided to give you a bad hand. No, it's because you belong to him. And what the devil can do against the kingdom of his enemy, he will. And so you need to take comfort in the fact that God is still for you today. As crazy and as harsh as it may sound, the battle for your heart is not about you. It's not about us. The world isn't so harsh on you because it hates Christians. It's harsh on us because it opposes God. Simply put, Saul didn't hate David. Saul didn't hate David. He didn't hate the shepherd boy. He hated the anointing that was on the shepherd boy. Exactly. The spirits are colliding. He hated the anointing that was on the shepherd boy. If you read 1 Samuel, you'll see that Saul loved David when he was just a heart-playing shepherd boy. So much so that he brought him into his presence permanently. No, you can't leave me because you bring me comfort. It was when the anointing of God fell on David's life, and now all of a sudden there's this tension. And so today, no matter your circumstance, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're battling against, I need you to know that the reason why there's a battle going on is because there's still righteousness inside of you. There's still a life to live for Jesus Christ inside of you. And the devil is doing everything he can to separate you from a worthy king. It's not about us today. It's all about him. There's a war going on, and even though it feels personal, it's against our king. Jesus Christ, now more than ever, I think, it's, it's time for the, the body of Christ to make a stand with the mindset of long live my king. I know this feels personal. I know we're in a war today. I know that it's, it's hard and the battle rages every single day, regardless of who else is around. But I need you to understand that you are just part of a kingdom. You are just here to glorify and magnify a king who's worthy of everything that you could give him. And the reason you feel the way you do is you're doing your job and you have a mindset of, long live my king. No matter what I'm going through, it's all for him. No matter what it looks like outside, he's still my king and I'm going to serve him to my dying breath. If you will instill that into your life, long live the king. In the face of my enemies, in the face of God's enemy, I want to be known that I pledge my allegiance to God Almighty. That I want this kingdom to grow, that I, I will do whatever I can to elevate my king. 
going to treat him like the king of the world because he is the king of the world. Can I tell you today that wars are not lost because people outside of the walls. The war is lost by Trojan horses. The war is lost whenever the people of God who are supposed to be fighting for the Lord, who are supposed to be going through this life with anointing and power, even in the face of adversity, give up to the adversity. And so if I can encourage you today, don't be someone who allows darkness to seep into your life, all the while pretending to be one who's living and serving God Almighty. And I don't say that harshly. I don't say that in, in a way that, that we are failing or we are not living for God, but more as a, a caution to you that the devil will do anything. He'll hide anywhere. He'll do whatever he has to do to separate you from God. And we have to make sure that there's no failure within. We have to make sure that there's no weakness here. A supporting cast unable to perform is what ultimately loses battles, not because of the leadership necessarily. So this is good information. We spent some time laying a foundation. And so if we are to live a lifestyle of long live the king, if we're supposed to live a mindset of what can I do even in my hardships to, to bring him glory, what does that look like? How, how do we get there? If I'm in some way supposed to support and take a stand for Jesus Christ, how do we do it? How do, how do I get there? What are we really getting to today? Why don't you turn to your neighbor, neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. We're about to talk about what you do in the face of adversity. 21st century church needs to develop the spirit of Jonathan. That's what needs to happen, first of all. We look at Jonathan. Jonathan is Saul's son. Jonathan was supposed to be king. If you look at the way kingdoms were, were designed to work, when a monarch passed, he passed on his rule. Talk about nepotism. There it is at its finest. Jonathan should have been the next king. He was next in line, and in almost any culture on the planet, he would have been brought into power. He was respectable in his own right. He had a history of victories. He was one worthy of kingship. Jonathan was a good man. He would have been a, a good king. What made Jonathan so special, though, was his love. More than the victories, more than the power, more than his royal blood and his veins, what made Jonathan special was his love. And so simply ask, do you love the Lord? Do we love the Lord today? If we do so, then we have to, we have to live our life full of love. First Samuel 18, 1 through 4 says, the meeting, uh, and this is the meeting between Jonathan and David. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed this pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. So this meeting happens after the battle with Goliath. David leaves King Saul and meets Jonathan. And the text reads in a way that Jonathan and David didn't know one another prior to this encounter, aside from just from really formalities. But there was something very, very special here. Meaning that in the very first encounter they really had, there was something very special that Jonathan felt for David. One would think that Jonathan can clearly see that David is special and anointed by God, but Jonathan knows nothing of Samuel's visit to anoint David yet. 
You see, he's seen the victory, he's seen the power, but he hasn't seen the anointing yet. He's still learning who David is. All the the text really reveals to us is that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself, the Bible says. He loved David, and so he gave his belongings to him, much in the way that God loves us today. He loved us, so he gave. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son. And so today, if we love the Lord, if we love our king, and we are of the mindset of long live the king, no matter what, I'm going to serve you, no matter what, I'm going to pursue you, there has to be love inside of us for him. Not just fear, not just admiration, not just worship. Those things are good, but you have to love the Lord. And when you love him, what do we do? We give just as he's given to us. If you read 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4, again, you'll see that Jonathan didn't go to the bank and empty his account. He didn't drain his 401k. He didn't go to the king's house and strip all the gold from everywhere and bring it back to David. No, he didn't go get a job to pay David. No, he just gave him what he had in the moment that he encountered something that was greater than himself. Have you ever been in the presence of the Lord, maybe even in this place today, and you didn't really know what you were feeling, but there was just this presence that came over you and you just began to speak and you began to surrender and you began to bless and you did everything you knew to do just because you felt something that couldn't be from you. That's where Jonathan is at. Is I, I don't understand completely, but I do know this. You've got what I don't have, and so I give this to you lovingly. I like to believe that, that Jonathan in this moment with David recognized something much greater, and when he did, he was pleased to humble himself and give what he had. So let me ask you this. Do you love him enough just to give him what you have? Again, the Bible never makes mention anywhere of, of going out and, and, and trying to find something to give the Lord. It's just give him what you have. Give him what you have. We may not have to write checks here today. God has no use for some of the gizmos and gadgets we put our value in. He doesn't care what you have to give. He just wants you to give. Why? Because it's the way we love him. I feel like some love has been withheld from God today because we feel as if what we have is not good enough to give him. Maybe today you're struggling because you know you love the Lord and you, you feel him in this place and you just feel as if, like, God, you're here and I want to bless you, but I just don't really know how because I have nothing of value to give you. And to that, I want to tell you right now that that is an attack straight from hell. And the fact that you are here today, the fact that you have come to worship him today, you are giving of yourself. And if no matter what the circumstances, if you will just continue to lift your hands, if you will continue to receive that spirit, if you will continue to return it to him in love, God will move in a mighty way and your life will change. He doesn't care what you have to give. He just wants to feel blessed by the giving. Your king comes from humble beginnings. You look at David, he's just a shepherd boy looking for lost sheep. That's, that's all he's ever known. That's all he's ever done. He doesn't have the robe of a king until someone loves him enough to take off their coat and give it to him. He has no idea what it's like to be a royal. He has no idea what it means to be king. He is king. Our Lord is king and anointed with or without what we give him. I mean, but when we give it to him, it expresses our love for him today. So you need to stop worrying about what it makes you look like to give. And you need to start worrying about what it looks like to him when you give. 
if he needs my coat, he can have it. I don't care what my shirt looks like underneath. Why? Because it's an expression of love to him. It's, it's not about me. This war is not about me. This life has nothing to do with me. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that our reason for living is what? To glorify him. Him. It's all for him. This war is all for him. And whatever he needs, I'll give it. Jonathan could have weighed the cost. He, he loved David, but his, his love cost him some things. Could have been easy just to give up on David. He could have allowed Saul to kill David. Jonathan probably would have became king. It would have all worked out great for him. It would have been easy for him. It would have made his life more comfortable and enjoyable. He lived in the presence of King Saul. The environment he finds himself in must have just been completely unfavorable for him. But Jonathan loved David, and so he remained faithful. Faithful. So we give because we love, and we remain faithful because we love. Serving is hard. I remember serving in the pandemic, it was even harder. Anybody with me on that? Not because we don't love him, but just because it was a different dynamic, wasn't it? It was something we had never experienced before. Pandemic serving was harder. And so I want to remind you that we're not called to an easy thing today. No one ever said anywhere that if you will just serve the Lord, that life will be a cakewalk full of fortune and fame, and you will feel like a prince and a princess. It never says any of that. This is not an easy thing that we're called to. I remember in the height of the, the, the pandemic, watching online and seeing different variations, always trying to, to push, always trying to remain faithful, always doing our best. Brother Cody, help me out with that first picture. This is what youth class looked like. I remember what it looks like to serve in an unfavorable position. I remember what it looks like trying to set up Zoom calls with teenagers who don't even have phones, don't even have internet. I know what it's like to serve unfavorably. You do too. You know what it looks like to live a life that just doesn't make sense sometimes. Jonathan is living a life that he's like, I'm supposed to be king. Why doesn't this look like it's supposed to look? Why is this guy getting anointed? Why is this guy getting the favor? I was there. Next picture, Brother Cody. I was there. When we were preaching to empty rooms, I was there watching as the people of God did everything we know to do to bring him glory with the mindset of long live the king, even in the face of his sickness, long live my king, even though I don't understand what tomorrow looks like, long live my king, even though this war is getting out of hand and I don't even know who I'm fighting against right now, long live my king, I wonder if there's anybody in the house today that can look at their circumstances, can look inside their heart and just say, long live my king. Long live the spirit of God. Even though I don't understand, even though I can't find the favor in it, it's there. That's why I'm going to do everything I can to find it. It would be easy to go home and pull the covers over our head, but there's no love in that. There's no service in that. There's no faithfulness in that. If you want to know what faithfulness looks like, the church of God is a great place to start. We have a faithful church. I want to give you credit today. We are a faithful church. We are a good church. 
But we've got to have a mindset that takes us farther than just showing up. It's faithful in everything. And most importantly, it's faithful in our love. If you want to bless the Lord today, remain faithful. Don't give up in the sight of opposition because there will always be opposition. Jonathan could, could have just let David run away, but the love was in putting in the effort to send him off correctly. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. 1 Samuel 20, 11 through 13 says, Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow, the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I'll let you know. But if he's angry and he wants to kill you, I'll let you know. Basically what he tells him. Skip down to verse 18. It says, tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. You will be missed when your place, the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, towards the evening, go to the place where you hid before and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three arrows by the side of the stone pile as I was shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. And if you hear me tell him they are on this side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives at all is well. And there's no trouble. But if I tell him go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you. And it will mean that you must leave immediately for the Lord is sending you away. The last thing that I want to draw today, and I'll, I'll bring this to a close, is that Jonathan offered refuge to his king. He gave to him. He remained faithful to him. And lastly, he offered refuge. Jonathan hid David away so that the enemy couldn't find him. That word refuge means shelter. Jonathan gave shelter to David. He gave him a place to dwell, a place to, to rest. This morning, I hope that you understand that Jesus doesn't need a place to hide, only a place to stay. David needed a place to hide and to stay because he was a man running from another man. But your king is the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the lion of Judah, the lamb that was slain. He is all of these things. He doesn't, he doesn't need any place to hide. He delivered the Israelites from bondage in Egypt. He parted seas. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He, did all, all the, he doesn't need anywhere to hide. He's not a hiding God. There's nothing God can't do, and there's nothing that, that he has to fear. He has all power, all authority. And so we don't need to hide God. We need to shelter God because he needs protecting. We give him a place to dwell because we love him. I want you to hear what I'm about to tell you. You can't kill what God tells to live. Some of you feel like you're dying today. I'm here to tell you nothing kills what God makes live. Nothing kills David. No soul ever catches him. Nothing ever happens to harm David. Why? Because the anointing of God was upon him. You can't destroy what God wants to use. Big bad Saul may have wanted David dead, but he, he tried before over and over and failed over and over. He couldn't kill David because God said no. It's as simple as that. Jonathan helping David get away and being the source of refuge wasn't about protecting David. God was protecting David. It was about loving David. And so I wonder today if there's anyone here who will offer refuge to a king. 
I wonder if there's anyone who loves him enough that says, you know what, Lord, I have no intentions of hiding you. I want you to shine brightly. You, you do your thing. But, Lord, if you need a place to sit, if you need a place to hang out, to launch from, Lord, I'm available. Lord, I'm here. I'll find a good place to put you. I'll find a place where you can work from. I'll find a place where your light can shine. Today, more than ever, Jesus needs a place to dwell, church. And that dwelling place needs to be in the hearts of his servants. It needs to be in people that have his best interests at heart and say, you know what? Long live the king in my hardship. Long live the king, even though the world wants him done away with. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? And so today, we need to create room in our hearts for the king to live. We need to rid ourselves of anything that can harm or fight against him. Jesus Christ wants to fill us with the Spirit, and he wants the Spirit to live inside of us. But there has to be a servant who is willing to help the king today. Saul tried to convince Jonathan to let David be killed. He used personal gain as incentive for Jonathan uh, to give David up. I want to speak to our, our young people right now. The devil's way of removing Jesus from this society is to convince a generation that they don't need Jesus in their heart. That we're better off without him because at least the attacks would stop if Jesus was gone. If you just do away with Jesus, well, then there's no war because remember the war is about, it's about him. And so young people, you need to be careful. You need to be mindful that as this world removes more and more Jesus from your life, that you root him deeper and deeper. And there's always a place inside of you where he dwells and he lives and he works. I'm here to proclaim today that there needs to be a spiritual awakening, a, a, a stirring inside of us that says, Lord, no matter what's going on, if this war is because of you, then my worship is because of you. Lord, if this war is because of you, my faithfulness and my giving is because of you. My worship is all for you, God. It's all for your glory. We need to remind all of hell who takes residence in our hearts and our minds, and it's our King, Jesus Christ. And so whether I'm alone or whether this entire church joins with me, my cry today will be long live the King. Long live the King. I don't, I don't want control today. I just want the right king in control. I don't, want, I don't want blessings. I don't want to be king. I just want to bless the king. And we do that by opening our hearts to him, by giving him love, by giving him our very best. Would you stand with me today? Some people serve their master in fear. Some serve a master because that's all they know. Some serve their master because they can't imagine a life where there isn't a master. I want you to know that I serve my master because I love him. What we do here is because we love him and we want more of him in our life. Who is your master today? Who is your master and why do you serve him? 
I hope it's a good Lord and because you love him. But if not, I want you to know that he's here today. You know, all it takes is an expression of love to bring you back to a place of blessing, back to a place of, of peace. I hope today that you're encouraged. I hope you realize that every struggle is a war of principalities over you and not a direct attack on you. I hope that you will shower the king with your love, knowing it's all for him. John 15 tells us that it's not personal, that the the spiritual battles we fight are because we serve the Lord. And so we need to make it personal, not in fighting alone, but in loving the king of our heart. And that, my friend, is very personal. Our response to the word and to him is personal. I would love to tell you that I can stand up here and I could yell some more and I can cry enough that would bring you to a place of understanding and bring you to a place of of love for Jesus Christ and a place of blessing, but unfortunately, I can't make you that guarantee. The only one that can help you is Him. And so you have to make today, this moment, very personal. It's between you and God. He loved so much that he gave. He loved enough that he remained faithful through all the hardships. His love for David was strong enough that he gave him refuge. So today, as I draw this to a close, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hands all across this place. Why don't you close your eyes and just prepare to worship? But as you do so, I want to ask you this. Do you love Jesus enough to give him what you have? Will you give the coat? Will you give the sword? Will you give the belt that you have to a king who's always been destined to reign in your life? Just what you have today, will you give it to him? Will you serve him? Will you pray to him? Love him enough, even though it's hard? Will you give God a dwelling place in your heart? And the last thing I have to say to you today is this. If you make it about him and you give him what's his as your king, the king also has the power to dictate where the blessings go. He also has the power to bless his his kingdom and his people. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.